2: Welcome to Bo Deedle's true crime story. Today I'm here with my partner, Mike Cirovolo, former detective, detective lieutenant, and a gentleman, Richard Bailey. Good
0: morning, Bo. Uh,
2: Good morning. You know, over the years after we retired, we've handled a lot of investigations, corporate fraud, embezzlement, all kinds of tricks. This one became a really big one. Turned out to be. A $350 million fraud. And the interesting part about this is, boom, my friend Richard Bailey became the victim, unbeknownst to him. And we're going to start it from the beginning. First of all, this is about a winery on the North Fork of Long Island that you got involved. What was the name of it, Rich?
0: The name of the winery was Lieb Cellars in Kutchog on the North Fork of Long Island.
2: Lieb Cellars yep. in
0: Kutchog, Long
2: Island, which your wines, you used to send us cases of that stuff, and I used to drink it. You had some really good shit there. Thank really you. Really good stuff.
0: So you were hired by who? I was hired by the owners of Lieb Cellars, who had purchased it a few months before, a private equity firm here in the city named Southport Lane and their 26-year-old chief strategist, Alexander Burns. Alexander Burns came to you and said,
2: we want to buy your vineyard, your winery. And what was the value of the winery at that time?
0: The best, he didn't buy it from me, but he bought it from a hedge fund manager that owned it. And he paid $12.75 million for it. And I valued a lot of companies in my life and I couldn't get above 5.5.
2: All right, now a little background on, on Mr. Richard Bailey. What is your background, what's your education, and who are you? <laughs> uh,
0: BA, Providence College, MA, Fairfield University. I have spent the last 35 years working for various private equity companies. They hire me essentially to fix their broken portfolio companies.
2: So you're a private equity consultant. Is that a good title? That's a fair enough title. Okay, so when you first come in here, you thought it was all about the vineyard that. So what happened after 2013? What unusual stuff started to happen?
0: Very shortly after I was hired in May of 2013, all of a sudden, you know, I'm going through the financial records and I see money just sloshing around without, you know, know, 100,000 coming in here, 50,000 going out there. And, you know, I started asking questions. At the same time, the private equity firm, Southport Lane, is having the vineyard audited, the vineyard's financial statements audited. So I asked for the bank records.
2: Yeah. Where's this money coming from?
0: You know, and I sat there and I got the bank records and I go through them and I spent, literally spent a weekend putting them together and putting all these bank records, every single transaction onto a spreadsheet, onto a QuickBooks file. And $18 million came in, in November of 2000, I'm sorry, October of 2012. Two days later, two days later, $3 million goes out the side door. And when I first saw that, I brought that to Alexander Burns' attention. Mm -hmm. And he leans over and he gets all kind of nervous. He goes, where'd you get these bank statements? I said, well, the controller gave them to me. And he goes, you haven't shown these to anybody, have you? I said, no. And he looks at it and and I said, Alex, this $3 million transaction, how am I going to explain that to the auditors? And he leans over and he takes a pen, takes my pen, and he writes SID next to that $3 million entry. And I said, what does that stand for? He goes, shit, I did. And I how do you respond to that? You know, I'm kind of going, okay. Well, that
2: was the first time you realized you were in the midst a problem. Of a, of I got a, a problem. Kid. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that was would be 2013. 13. At that point you're probably saying, "Why did I take this
0: job?" Well, I mean, A, it was, it was a nice job and going out to the North Fork of Long Island isn't the worst thing in the world to do every week. Mm-hmm. And I was living in a, you know, 8,000 square foot, you know, mansion. It was a
1: beautiful house. I've I seen I it. I
0: know.
2: Now here all of a sudden, a few months later, you found a form, a N2B, filed with the SEC by Dijkstra Capital Management.
0: Destra, Destra Capital Dextra, Management. And
2: they purchased $25 million in securities in various Southport entities. Now, what other entities were there in Southport?
0: Oh, they had, Alexander Burns had about 100 different companies. And what they were doing is they were creating these securities- and they were putting them on the books of the insurance companies. And then they would take the cash off the insurance companies. Well, let's
2: set that side of it. What did you eventually learn what Southport was all about? How were they defrauding people? What did they set up? What kind of a scam with this insurance?
0: Well, I have a friend, Brad Hoaker, who is one of the smartest good guys, one of the good guys in this world. And Brad had a deal in Georgia. Matter of fact, I'm doing work down there now. And At the end, Brad has this Midwestern nice way of asking the most cringeworthy question. And he looks at Alex Burns and says, Alex, just before we go, how'd you get control of all these insurance companies? And Alexander Burns turns around and he says, Jesus with a telescope on Mars couldn't figure out how I did this. (laughs) And so we all sat there. It was Brad Hoaker, Jeff Leach, who you know, and myself, we're all sitting in the conference room and our mouths drop we go outside we walk outside we start laughing and then brad looks at me and goes be very very careful something's dangerously wrong here but i was hooked at that point uh, yeah i I was in for the ride at that point Now,
2: listening audience you got to remember alex burns is a 26 year old guy who was the guy who was in back of his whole scam and scheme and all that kind of stuff? Also, he mentioned that what was his education? He tell you he was
0: all right. So the first thing I ever, first conversation I ever had with Alex Burns, he looks at me and he goes, "I hear your son's a classics major at Yale," which he was. My son Alexander was a freshman at Yale at the time, and he goes, "I was a classics major at Yale and I was running a hedge fund out of my dormitory," but Dave Swenson. Now, for folks in the financial world, Dave Swenson, who recently passed away, is a legendary figure for the magnificent way he managed the Yale endowment. He said, Dave Swenson had me thrown out because I was beating him in my returns. I was getting better (laughs) returns than he was. All right. So that's kind of an oddball statement. Did you know anybody else that went to Yale
2: that you could have talked to and said, what's up with this guy?
0: I was born and raised in New Haven. I knew a hundred. I was a former aide to the mayor of New Haven back in the early 80s. I knew a ton of people who went to Yale. I used to go to, you know, my father took me to all the football games, and I had a son at Yale at the time. So what no happened— No one knew who this guy was. No, no <laughs> one knows who this guy is.
1: Well, your son found
2: out who he was.
0: He did. One night, Alexander Burns and I were having dinner at Smith & across the street, and he starts talking about what a rebel he was at Yale, bucking the system and everything like that, no. and how he started his own secret society— you know, kind of like Skull and Bones, but his was called Porn and Chicken. And and so he sits there, and he looks at me, he goes, he goes, P- get- Porn and Chicken? Porn and Chicken was the name of his secret society. He goes, get your son on the phone. So, you know, I dial my son, he's a freshman, he's sitting in his room with about four of his friends, and Burns tells him this story. And sure enough, all these kids, you know, go up, and they start Googling Alex Burns, and there is a Porn and Chicken, and it produced a pornographic movie starring Alex Burns. But there was a problem with that. The Alex Burns that was sitting across the table from me on his third bottle of very expensive wine... (laughs) Who was picking that check up? <laughs> he did. Oh. <laughs> Thank God. The third bottle of wine, you know, would have been about 10 years old by the time this happened. Uh-huh. That that Porto movie was made. So, so he
2: saw this and he developed this and this idea that no one was going to check what he was doing. Go
0: ahead. He could lie like that without any—did it without fear of ever being no caught. No hesitation. All right. None so
2: now of our... all of a sudden, my friend, which you are, Richard, you're a friend of Mike and I, You realize you're into some shit here that you don't know what it is.
0: What do you do? Well, first I I start doing my own research and I come up with, and I find from Destra Capital Management in Chicago, I find a document called an N2B, which is filed with the SEC. And it talks about how they had sold, they had purchased $25 million worth of securities, including debt securities from premium wine acquisitions. All right, which was the holding company for Lieb Sellers and Premium Wine Group. I was the president of Premium Wine Acquisition. There was no debt. Nobody ever told me there was debt in this company. And not only that, I had told my auditors, our auditors, there was no debt. So if we all remember Enron, you know, that's a big no no. You can go to jail for that.
2: Well, yeah. So I get I get nervous. This reminds me of something very common. My friend Anthony Scaramucci, Skybridge Capital. All of a sudden, he got involved with that long-haired kid there, the one that was ah uh, oh, yeah, Sam Freed. Yeah, Freed there, and what, like he didn't understand what was going on either. So now you're starting to realize that you got yourself in with. I this. have a
0: big problem. Yeah, you know, not only you know is money coming in and sloshing around, it's not being used for what. You filed something with the SEC for that securities fraud right there. So I knew Mm -hmm. I, I knew I had him. I literally bumped into my neighbor who is at the town dump on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah. And you know, he's an FBI agent in Boston. He's working the Boston Marathon case. And I sat there and I said, Dave, I got a problem. And he looks at me like, are you in trouble? I said, no, but my, I think my company is. Mm -hmm. And I told him the story and he says, okay, go home, keep your phone in your hand. He goes, we're going to call you. And so he and his and a guy from the white-collar division in Boston called me. And we met the next morning for coffee. I walked them through everything, including the shit I did. I had the originals. I gave those yeah. to them and everything. And, you know, the white-collar guy goes, this is a classic fraud.
2: Ground, ground ball, we're going to prosecute. And what happens?
0: Nothing happened.
2: This is basically, <laughs> listening audience, this happens to us all the time. People have a really good case. And it just ends up going nowhere.
0: Don't have enough time, but go ahead. Nothing happens. It wasn't my my neighbor's fault because he was working the marathon bombing case. Yeah. All right. But you know, I left the meeting with the white collar guy. You know, and he's trying to figure out how he can get jurisdiction, all that kind of stuff. I hear nothing. All right. And there's no one. People have to understand if you let something go and you're a victim. If you don't have
2: someone supporting you, pushing it, it goes nowhere. What was your next move?
0: I called you guys. I, Wait a
2: second. Wait a second. How'd you find out about us?
0: All right. If you recall, you and I were introduced by our dear friend, Joe Coffey.
2: My former sergeant, his dad was my first sergeant uh, with the New York City Police Department. Go ahead.
0: I have known Joe for about 25 years. He's one of the world's good guys. Great guy. Go ahead. All right. So he sits there and he, and he, says, Here, he says, send an email. And he gives me your email. And I said, you know, he goes, use my name. I said, an introduction from Joe Coffey. Two minutes later, the phone rings. Now, I knew who you were from the Imus days and everything like that and all your other, you know, activities and escapades. Wall Street, everybody. Uh, oh, I know. Everybody knows who you are. And I'm sitting there and all of a sudden the phone rings and I don't recognize the number, but I pick it up anyway. And there you are. It goes any, And the first word's out of your mouth. Any friend of Joe Coffey's is a friend of mine. What can I help with?
2: Right. And then my partner, who's the investigator, gets involved. And I believe when we first started it, Mike, we started to take it apart to do a background on our friend over well, here.
1: We- Good. When Richard came in, now, we had done a prior case, Correct. a small matter, for Richard. I hadn't met him then. He sent another
2: representative. What did we do? What
0: case did we do for you, Richard? Uh, Premium Wine Group had a customer that basically had forged Premium Wine Group's import license, brought wine in from France, sold it all over the North Fork, stiffed everybody. Did we do good there? You did fantastically there. Okay. Um, he sent a uh, an investigator. Dave, can I say his name? David, yeah, David The yeah. retired detective. Yeah, yeah. Yep. he sent him to and the Still guy. Works he, with he, he went. He went to his house, the perpetrator's house. Said he left his card and said we'd like to talk to him, and he left the country and has never been back. So in other words, so I knew you guys, but that was a, that was a quick three-day event. It
1: was a small matter.
0: Yeah. you know. Okay, so now you
2: bring us into the investigation. Mike heads up to all the investigations at that time. So, Michael, what did we start doing? We started taking this guy so, apart? Well,
1: Richard came in. We set up a blackboard, mm-hmm. and I called Alwin in, who was the head of our white-collar division at that time, and Richard laid out uh, all of his fears and all of the facts on the board, and Two and two were not adding up to four, and he was quite concerned. And we told him, well, to start off, you have to know who the enemy is. And we did a deep dive on all the major principles that he was afraid were involved in this ongoing fraud.
2: One of the things that we do on a lot of these big fraud corporate cases and all of them, we always recommend to our clients, well, let's bring in in this case, this is a federal case. Let's bring in a federal AUSA who's retired. It gives us a little bit more of a bounce into the FBI. And we we had some friends there, Brian Gardner, and Michael Weinstein, I believe in two thousand and fifteen. I think correct. We introduced you to them, but again, it, they don't come free. You got to hire them. Yeah, the the same as is you got a cold shot. Excuse me, we don't come for free either. You had to hire us too. <laughs> so now we bring <laughs> did, up, yeah. we bring in these two former AUSA's
0: to work with you. Go ahead. Well, first of all, and the thing that baffled both of you at the very beginning, well, as we are sitting, there going, okay, we have a, we definitely have a federal case here. Yeah. you tried to refer it into the Southern District of New York to pre-Pahara's office. Yeah. And they waved you off. No, he laughed at us. Go ahead. They waved you off. And same at- as when they laughed off when Mayor de Blasio
2: was taking the money and his wife was taking the money, pay for play. I tried to give it to them. They laughed me off then too. Go ahead. All right.
0: So, you know, at that point, Michael was you said, this is a federal case. If the Southern District of New York, it's a $350 million case, if the Southern District of New York is waving you off, this is being run out of main justice. And you were right. So that's when we got Brian Gardner and Michael Weinstein, Michael Weinstein being a former AUSA in Washington, in Washington, And he was also uh, head of a white-collar group. And he was head of the white-collar group down there as well. You're right. And Michael, who's become one of my dearest and closest friends as a result of all this, Michael gets—he's on the job five days. Yeah. And I'll never forget this conversation. As long as I live, I'm sitting there— I'm in my car, about to get on the ferry to go from Long Island over to New London. So I drive home because I live outside of Boston. And Michael's a very smooth, you know, he doesn't get his feathers ruffled too often, I've come to he's learn. Smart. Right. He's, very, he's smart. very, very smart. And he's a criminal defense attorney. So not much is going to shock him. All right. Okay, Michael. Hi, Michael. And he sits there and all of a sudden he just starts going, are you sitting down? I've just gotten off the phone. There's a huge task force investigating Southport Lane. I've talked to the lead agent who is out of Knoxville, Tennessee. Wow. And he goes, and they want to meet you. You know, and then he asked me the difficult question, which frankly, I never saw coming. And he said, they want to know if you'll wear a wire. And I went, "Uh, I got to think about that.
2: I mean, was he threatening our friend here? Was he threatening in any way? Did you ever fear him? In any way, this chief strategist, Alexander Burns, did you ever fear him physically? Did he ever elude Like like me, I could f- make you fucking scared of me, you know what I'm saying? <laughs>
0: did you fear him? I No, I didn't. And as I was driving home after that conversation, I knew I had to do two things. I had to think about this carefully because this was an element of this investigation which I had never considered. I also knew I had to tell my wife what was going on because I hadn't told her much of anything so far. Uh, and-
1: Bo asked a good question about fear, Richard. At any point, were you in fear that you may be involved in some criminality, as just by being the CEO of Lieb Sellers? I was. Yeah. Talk I, about that. How did you feel I, at well, that time?
0: I had already, you know, basically given the auditors false information. I didn't know I'd give them at the time, but I had given them false information. That's a that's a felony right there. And you know, I had to sit there and think about what my own personal criminal liability was Well, your was going exposure to be. was. Yeah, yep. yeah. And so, you know, and then, you know, after the question, will you wear a wire, I had to think about whether or not these guys are going to come after me.
2: Now, Yed Weinstein was going to protect you. He's your lawyer. Did they let you have, sign a waiver that they were going to exclude you from any prosecution if you cooperate with them?
0: Okay, this is a funny part of the story. They actually, my first meeting in June of 2015, they slide a piece of paper across. You know, the Queen for a Day letter. Yes, and uh, that's uh, what I was thinking about. Queen (laughs) for a Day. And I look down on it, and it says, you know, Richard Bailey, defendant. And I look, you know, at Weinstein. I said, I'm not signing that. I'm not. You know, I didn't do anything wrong. I'm not signing that. So. The FBI, there was two FBI agents and one IRS criminal investigative division agent. They look and they say, you know, well, that's okay. We don't need that anymore. And I told them that I agreed that I would wear a wire. And at that point, I had nothing to fear from those guys because suddenly, and the interesting thing is, they they became very protective of me after that.
2: I understand that. If I'm your lawyer, both a lawyer here, I would be wanting to protect your ass. And I would say to the U.S. Give me something in writing. Yeah, protect (laughs) my client. Now, again, there was no fear from you from this guy. No. But but you know what? You're not dealing with the Gambino or the Genovese family right now or the Colombo family. There's a little punk. I could see if you were dealing with them, you could have a little fear. I'd have
0: you know? had, yeah, I, I'd have had a different reaction altogether. Right, I
2: might have had a little <laughs> different reaction. But all of a sudden, then I'd a, hired
0: you guys to you know to, to watch, to but, uh, follow but, me around.
2: But as much as it goes here, I certainly would want, as your lawyer, to protect you because who the hell knows what could pop up? You know, I, I'm very surprised, Michael. What was your feeling on it? Well,
1: I mean, a guy like Alex Byrne who's such a loose cannon, and if he gets wind that Richard is, you know on the other side mounting an investigation against him. He could pick up a phone and call a hitman, you know? Well you don't Make pick this up Mike, go you don't away. pick
2: up a phone to you know you contact somebody, that know somebody. <laughs> right. But, I mean, that could have been done quite, because you were a main witness, so you could have got whacked, Rich. You knew all the,
0: where all the bodies were I buried. I did learn said. where all the bodies were buried. That's correct. Handling
1: legal matters is stressful. So, let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25-plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family. Family Law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno call seven one eight four one eight five thousand or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's Frank Law.com. Frank Bruno,
2: he's your numero uno. Okay, so now, so now you wear the wire. Where did you record these things? The three or four times that you were wired.
0: First time down at Southport's office. And you
2: could do it on the phone. That was... Uh, that oh, was yeah. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: I still have it on my phone. There's a program that you dial in a certain, you know, sequence of numbers, and it tapes the call. And oh, they got they got the yeah. app. Come on, yeah, Rich. Yeah. Wake up, Rich. They got they, apps. Yeah. Go ahead. I, I'm still, I still have it. Okay. And the first time was down at their offices. They met me in a hotel in Times Square. They gave me two wires in case one goes out. And, it, you know... It, <laughs> First thing I asked them when they asked me, I said, are they going to have to shave my chest? Everybody breaks up laughing, because that's what you see on TV. Yeah, well, you know? and the old and, 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 Things have changed, Rich. Yeah, they and, and they, and you know they something? used to put a it, kel on you and- Yeah, the and, 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 and the funny thing is, it can be your watch, it can be a pen. Mm-hmm. They gave me a what looked like a Starbucks commuter coffee mug, and that had a camera in it, so I brought a camera. and two wires into the office. So then
2: all of a sudden you, st- you had the documents that were coming across your desk. You submitted them to the FBI on their investigation. What I th- else?
0: I did. As a matter of fact, uh, we had to set up a Dropbox. I sent them so many things that they, and some of them were so large, I always thought found this funny, that they kept on bouncing back because they were too big for the FBI servers. Here's, this, here's yeah. a very
2: important thing. Towards like 2015, Rich, has the demeanor of this guy changed in any way? Did he have the feeling... That the net was closing at all?
0: No. He, he had left Southport Lane and moved to Charleston, South Carolina. Wait, 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 wait. He shut down Southport Lane? Well, the Wall Street Journal got involved. They did several front page articles. And that was kind of the end of Southport Lane. And from there on in, it was just basically a cleanup. Alex Burns quit and moved down to Charleston, South Carolina. What
2: happened with my winery?
0: Well, I kept on running the winery for another three years and sending you wine. Yeah, I remember. You just, <laughs> and you sent me cases. Yes. yes. Well, that was part of your fee, too. <laughs> but
2: so basically, you running the winery, the FBI were conducting their investigation, and at what point did they get enough where they moved on them?
0: They filed... It's a drawn out process, is one thing I've learned. Mm-hmm. And once they hand things over to the prosecutors, prosecutors take forever. But, they have
2: all the time in the world.
1: Well, right? I mean, we would have conversations. He would get in touch with me, or I would call Richard yeah. every like five, six months. Anything going on? Yep. Nope. nope. And we nope. had I do. Exactly. Yeah, nothing.
2: and we uh, we had dinner at the other steakhouse. Box. Yep. Yep. Now, basically, so when is it announced that they lock
0: our friend up? If they were indicted. The indictments came out in May of 2019. Alexander Burns was not, he pled guilty to eight counts in November of 2018. 18, November 18. He pleaded guilty. But, that, but, was a, but under seal, so nobody knew. Ah, oh, Because he was cooperating. But what was he giving up? He was the he was the he was John Gotti of the crew here. He actually I've talked to friends of his who knew him down in South in, in South Carolina when I'm writing the book. And you know, they sat there and told me that they thought, and Alex had told them that he was just trying to, you know, get past the statute of limitations. And he thought if he could get past the statute of limitations, <laughs> he was untouchable. He was untouchable.
2: Okay, there were two names that we didn't touch upon. Andrew Shearer. Mm -hmm. And also Robert McGraw. How do they fit in?
0: Andrew basically took over Southport after Burns left. He pled guilty on two counts. But
2: he was still running this fugazi operation.
0: Oh yeah, oh yeah. He actually, in one of the times, and you know, got this on a wire. He actually offered to to me. He goes, "If I could help him pull six to eight million dollars out of Southport, he'll give you a piece." Yeah.
2: Okay, so this is all and then it won. wasn't his money either, by the way.
1: And this and was you had that on the wire.
0: So you were yeah. still under a wire then in 2018. Fifteen and sixteen. That happened in 2015 when he said that. To oh, me. okay. But he pled guilty in 2019 and he is and he was sentenced to 60 months, and he is now serving time down in any restitution on these two dudes? Andrew Scherer has 287 million dollars in restitution against him.
2: And how, where does he work? And does he
0: have money? He games? does. No, we, he, uh, he fight, no, he had a public defender.
2: Yeah, I think, oh, Mike, I goodness. think we did backgrounds on these guys. Yes, we he did. did. Yes. Part of the investigation like this is, we don't just end right there. Now when if convictions come down and all of a sudden there's a, a charges against them and there's a amount of money, we start looking at assets. We start doing mm-hmm. some deep dive to find out where we could find some money. Because in reality, you're a victim on this thing too. So you could have been involved with some of those proceeds, quitum, or also underneath the whistleblower law. Right, Michael? Right.
1: He you know, he's really entitled. To some money for his honesty and his odd work.
2: <laughs> well, so so now here's my big question to you, Rich. Three hundred and something million dollars. Where's the friggin' money, Rich? Where do you think the money is, Rich? I've been th- I've been digging up backyards wherever you live. <laughs> I couldn't find a friggin' thing.
0: Well, I don't have it. Well, I can tell you that a lot of a lot of it they just frankly pissed away. You on know, what? Oh, private jets, you know, all sorts of things. Hookers? Well, yeah. Hookers? You know, I don't think... When they
1: bought these insurance companies, they made up all these phony assets. They made up phony securities. And there was something about a Caravaggio, very, very they multi-million a, million dollar
0: painting. They, they bought a Caravaggio for a million dollars down and a note for $38 million. Now, the Carvaggio was of, shall we say, dubious provenance. Yeah, it was a, uh, it was it was a, a phony. It was a fake. <laughs> it, was a it was
2: a fake. Yeah. We used the word for It was a <laughs> So sort the of Caravaggio okay. was not a Caravaggio, it was a
0: fugazi. Right, but they put it on the books of the insurance company for $128 million. Holy God,
2: that was one of the assets. So they were, you know, I mean, one and they were, were, taking, and they about were taking millions money out.
0: of dollars, that
1: really did never wow. never existed.
2: Okay. Some of so, it never existed, correct. Okay, so now, all of a sudden, he gets convicted. Oh, boy, he gets convicted. Alex Burns, what
0: happens with him? Come on. Alex uh, pleads to all eight counts in November of 2018. What's he looking at? Uh, at that point, he's looking at at least 20 years, yeah. uh, according to the sentencing tables, all right, the U.S. sentencing guidelines. It was under seal. He was cooperating against Sharon McGraw throughout oh, the entire- he was run. cooperating also. Yeah. Oh, yeah, He was. he was helping the DOJ the prosecutors. He had, it's the only thing he could do at that stage.
1: To try to bring his sentence. Right. A little he
0: bit. was supposed to be sentenced in December of 2021. And six weeks before he was sentenced, he committed suicide. No. He, he took How the it, pipe?
1: He took the pipe. How did he commit suicide?
0: Uh, he drank some liquid that basically, you know, he forced him to suffocate. Did
2: he have any kids, Alex Bernstein?
0: No kids. He had a wife. That he got married about a year before, two years before, when they were still engaged. Before they got married, he because you know being a and he went right back. By the way, when he went to South Carolina, he went right back to his old style. He being was a crook. He was just you know Alexander Burns, a Wall Street retiree. He told people he re- retired. What, he started
2: go doing it again. He
0: started doing it again. Wait, wait,
2: wait, wait! Oh, so the sentence didn't happen yet. Right. No,
0: no, No, he was out. No, he and he was that was before he pled guilty. Before.
2: So by him killing himself, what's that thing? No toll. No, duh, 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 duh. no, no, no. no Say
0: it again. N o l l e prosequi. It is Prosecchi. a wine. It is a wine. Yeah, uh, sparkling wine. No Prosecchi. No, no, way. well, Well, means declines to prosecute. The government declines to further the prosecution. So, so if we Google him, he's an innocent man. He died an innocent man. Oh, my After God. After
1: pleading guilty. Now, there's something very interesting. He even flim-flammed his wife.
0: His final... Tell us about that. His final victim was this, you know, very nice girl that he married in 2017, I believe. She wanted to go to graduate school. Mm-hmm. Him being the wealthy, retired Wall Streeter that he was, private mm-hmm. equity, hedge fund guy that he represented himself as being, ordered, he paid said he would pay for it. He then went on and took out online and took out loans in her name. All right. In her name her, her to, pay to pay for her education, mention. but he also got a kickback on those. Oh
2: my God. What a real creep. Well the most so, important thing. So Rich, wait,
0: after he dies after he dies, okay, he's now separated from the wife. Yeah. All right. He well he's he, separated because he's dead. Well <laughs> no, 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 no before, before, before that. Because she all of a sudden did a little background, read all the articles in the Wall Street Journal, and she was like, "Uh-oh, I, this is not the person who, rep- yeah. who I thought he was." And so he goes, and they get separated, and Alex finds a girl, has a girlfriend, and that's where he commits suicide at the girlfriend's apartment. Wow! After he dies, the wife and they're not divorced yet.
2: Well, so he was out on bail.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. The wife gets a bill for eighty-six thousand dollars from Clemson. Tuition, oh, student geez.
2: loans. Well, it's going to be we're called, uh, what's it? Sleepy Joe is going to get rid of it anyway with the mortgage. <laughs> but this is more important. So I've been following. You've been writing chapters on this. You've been sending Mike and I. Great. You've book. got a book coming out in November called P- Private Cove. Pirate Cove.
1: Pirate Cove.
2: Like I just said, Pirate <laughs> Cove. Pirate is Cove. the book coming out. Ladies and gentlemen who are listening, this is a very interesting story, and from beginning to end, it's a riveting story, but the reality right now is that this is happening all the time. So what's important, ladies and gentlemen, to listen, before you get involved with any kind of business deal, who are you going to call, Rich? I'm
0: going to call Bo Doodle Associates.
2: Well, that's it. But due uh, diligence, baby. That's the name of the game. I'm going to tell you something right now. There's a lot of shorting of stocks and all that. People have to spend a couple of dollars to know what they're dealing with. Because certainly, if we did a due diligence on this guy Alex Byrne, we would have found if out. I which, your,
0: if I had known you prior, you guys prior to that, i never would have. We taken found job. out after we did the investigation. Yeah. No yell. The only Yale he had was a Yale lock.
2: That was all he had. (laughs) And basically, I welcome anybody to email us again. It's Pirate Cove by Richard Bailey coming out this fall. It'll make a really great movie. And I really want to thank you, Rich. And your son's here with you. And I'm glad you got through this. Between you and I, you know all the ends how he did it, right? Yeah. How about... We think about doing something, you, me, and Mike, okay? We'll set some kind of an action We do 300 million. What do you think, Mike? Absolutely.
1: Now, you know, the other, <laughs> the good thing, something good always comes out of something evil. We developed a wonderful friendship with our friend Richard Bailey here over the years. Yeah. So, all right. And well, that will go forever.
2: And no, uh, again, Richard, thank you so much. Oh, your, thank you. And your son, thank you. Michael, like always, serve all of, like always. And remember, tune in to Bowdeedles true crime story. This is a real interesting one. Stay tuned for next week. Thank you, everybody.